I see in the future a promising uh, opportunity to use uh, image-based classification projections, uh, especially the, the animal weight, the animal walk, uh, walkability. So those are uh, kind of sensors that people are using, people are studying. Okay. And also audio-generated uh, data. Um, for instance, we, we could uh, install microphones uh, in the pens and try, uh, try to detect sneeze uh, mm. or another uh, symptom of, of any kind of uh, sickness. And then we can use those sensor-based technology to integrate all those kind of data to support data-driven decisions. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming soon. The brightest minds of the global poultry industry will be right in your pocket. And what's best, you can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Adiseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high-quality, safe, and sustainable ways. DSM, helping customers with efficient and sustainable poultry production. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show. I'm your host today, Karen Grogan. Um, we're headed into uh, fall here in uh in the U.S. Hopefully we'll get some cooler temperatures. Um, today's guest is Anderson Alves, who is a um, research associate at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And his um, area of expertise is um, genetics. And then uh, a research emphasis also in terms of um, uh, statistical analysis of data and how we generate this data, and then um, looking at different technologies, um, which I'm sure he will gladly explain to us during our conversation today. So welcome, Anderson. Um, we'll dig into some of that technology in, in a minute. Um, but what's your background and how did you get interested in genetics and how did you end up in Wisconsin? Well, um, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for having me today. Um, actually, I was uh, born and raised in Brazil when I started to start my BS in my in a small city close to my home, uh, close to my home city. Um, and then during my undergrad, I was kind of interested on how could I. Uh, get involved into research, and I was pretty much interested on genetics. But at that time, it wasn't so many uh, genetics opportunities there. Then I moved to my I moved to my home state capital for pursuing a, a master degree in animal uh, in animal science, uh, but focusing on animal genetics. Then I started um, studying different quantitative traits. 
uh, especially in in sheep and uh, dairy goats. Uh, after that, uh, I went to São Paulo State University uh, for pursuing my PhD, also in animal breeding genetics, but this time working with reproductive traits in beef cattle. At that time, I got pretty much interested on um, how to apply machine learning for predicting complex traits, especially using genomic information for doing so. Um, and after that, I started um, working as a professor in the at the Federal Institutional Institute of Education in another state called Maranhão, in Brazil. But I was just teaching, so but my what I like to do is to do research. So I got an invitation from Guilherme uh, from the University of Wisconsin to work with him uh, for doing research, working as a research associate here. Then I accepted, and then here I am. Excellent. And what, what species are, um, what is the research focus um, in the lab that you're working in? Well, we work with different species. Uh, all kind of species, basically. We work with beef cattle, we work with pigs, uh, broiler chickens, especially fish. Um, and we do all kind of uh, data analysis uh, related things to, uh, to support data-driven decisions in livestock species. Since uh, genetic selection, um, but we are, we are also using uh, high-throughput phenotyping, phenotyping techniques for, uh, you know, to aid these data-driven decisions in livestock species. So right now I'm leading um, different projects for understand better how can we measure uh, feed efficiency and feeding behavior traits in broiler chickens, but in group, group house broiler chickens, which is a, quite of a challenge. Okay. So... Um... In terms of that, of, of how you're doing that in broiler chickens, when you mean group house, like are you are these like pen study types of of things, or are you looking at larger models? What what type of scale are you looking at this? Yeah, we are we are working with data more uh, alike commercial circumstances. Okay. So are animals like thousands of animals roused in the same pen? So. Okay. Uh, generally, we we measure feeding uh, residual feed intake, feed conversion rate in caged broilers because you know we have to to access the individual feed intake, and this is this is hard, right? So what we are trying to do is to use sensor technology, especially uh, radio frequency identification. Um, to measure in real time the feed intake of the animals, uh, group roast, group housed animals, uh, which I believe that uh, it's more uh, reflects more the the commercial circumstance that we face uh, in the industry, right? And and then so in in terms of the project that you're currently working on, um, specifically for broilers. Um, do you have have re research that has been published from that yet? Or are you still in the data collection point? Well, it's 
it's relatively relatively assume uh, uh, a new project, so it's been a year that I we've been that I we've been working on it on that, and yeah, the papers are uh, getting out like this next few months. I had two papers already, uh, which are basically we are trying to understand better the genetics of feeding behavior uh, broilers. This that's one specific project that that we are doing. Another project is um, measuring how can you use the the feeding behavior pattern to detect the risk of animal of an animal dying the next day or the next few days that's another project that i've been working on and i will have uh results published pretty much soon um so and also we are doing some methodological developments here developing new machine learning methods using those kind of data as well so so far i I got three uh, main research projects that I'm intending to publish uh, yet this year. So the the project that you're describing in terms of um, being able to take a measurement of feed intake, um, so I'd be curious in you describing how that's measured, and then taking that and saying, um, I guess you're developing some type of formula or algorithm to then say this particular bird could die within you know, as a mortality indicator, uh, I'd be interested to hear more about that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, each animal uh, it visits the feeder, the electronic feeder, and each animal has a sensor that uh, it, it, it emits the, as a radio frequency signal, uh, a new, a new, unique feed, uh, radio frequency okay. signal, and then we got the identification of the animal, how much time the animal spent at the feeder, uh, the amount of feed that it got. So this is in a daily basis. Then we have uh, hundreds or thousands of visit data for each animal. So we can describe different patterns, uh, how many visits the animal had per day, how many feed it took, um, what was the difference between the first and the last visit, visit during the day. So we have uh, a time series for each animal. And we can see clearly that some animals uh, that died during the experiment, they had less visits. The, the, vis the number of visits were starting to decrease. The amount of feed uh started to decrease as well. So we are kind of uh, extracting features from those uh, time series for different feeding behaviors. And we are trying to classify what, if the, what is the risk of an animal dying like yesterday or uh, from three days uh, in, in advance. So, we got pretty much, pretty much interesting results because uh, if you just classify at random uh, the percentage of mortality in this specific flock was like 3%, 3 to 5%, which is pretty low. But um, 
And then if we just try to classify it random, it was supposed to be our uh, expected accuracy, right? Five or three percent. Okay. And we got results like sixty percent, fifty percent of accuracy of classifying a, a, a dead bird, or the risk that the animal wa would be withdrawn because of some specific uh, defect. So this is a pretty uh, interesting project. We are also uh, developing yet some methods to do that. Um, and we are using uh, specifically ma different machine learning algorithms. It's not just a formula okay. to use different machine learning algorithms that they can detect no linear uh, relationships between the the event, which is dead or alive, and the uh, and the time series features that we are uh, extracting or creating, uh, depending on the on the data. So um, I'm I'm actually um, still doing some analysis, um, but the results that I got so far are pretty um, promising. It's definitely interesting work um, <clears throat> in terms of application of this type of technology. Ten years, like how? how quickly do you think this technology would be expanded to say commercial scale production? Um, and, or, or is this type of technology more useful in say like a primary breeder setting where they are selecting for traits so that you can, um, you know, apply this where they are um, trying to select for, you know, feed efficiency Um how do you see this technology being applied within the poultry industry? Yeah. Um, I mean, the main interest in was in feed efficiency because uh, when uh, this specific company that it's that started to measure in those kind of data, they started using those technologies. They were pretty much interested on feed efficiency because okay. I mean, today we select feed efficiency, like residual feed intake, mm -hmm. feeding co feed conversion rate based on caged animals. Uh, but it doesn't reflect uh, the real uh, conditions that the animal are being selected for. So it turns out that there can be some, it may exist some interactions between the genetic merit uh, of an animal select inside the cage and for animals raised in floors, right? On floors. So this was the, the motivation for uh, starting selecting for uh, group house animals. So, but those kind of data, they are, uh, they are rich. They can generate uh, a plethora of different information. So, yeah, my, my first goal was, okay, selecting for feed efficiency, especially residual feed intake in, in, in animals rates on the floors. But um, then um, we started to see that we could do much more than that. Uh, so, yeah, the first goal was selecting genetic selection for feed efficiency, but then we are starting to use those kind of, of data to uh, for data-driven decisions, support data-driven decisions. And what I would see that, what I would say is that this kind of technology, it's 
not so easy to get right now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, uh, I mean, it's pretty experimental, especially in broilers. We we got some commercial uh, electronic feeders for beef cattle, for right. pigs, but in, in broilers, it's not so common yet. So it's pretty much experimental, but um, I would say that it's it's really promising. So the result that I got so far, they are really promising, and it will uh, justify the investment of the the the, the producer. Um, and when we are talking about this specific uh, project about uh, classifying mortality risks, it's it's uh, a I, it's intended to be a tool for monitoring the, the the herds in real time. I mean, if you if you get average uh, percentage of mortality risks, that can be considered normal. We don't have nothing to care about. But then we had if you have a, f a flag telling you that the mortality risk on that specific herd it's above the average, it it would uh, tell you that something's wrong, could be a management uh, issue, could be a disease outbreak. So I think that's pretty much important. And we hope that this kind of technology technology could be uh, accessible for all farmers in, uh, in the future. So Sounds like it could be a useful, you know, extra monitoring uh tool in, ter in terms of what you're talking about in, in terms of the risk, um, you know, we're, we're really carefully examining biosecurity and how many times people come on and off a farm. And if you have these, you know, sort of, you know, sensors that are picking up this data instead of a person necessarily coming on and off the farm, um, you know, then you can limit those, um, you know, crosses over into the farm. Uh, I think that's really, really uh, interesting work that, that you guys are, are conducting and, and hopefully it can be expanded. Um, in terms of the sensor on the broiler chicken itself physically, where is the sensor placed? It's a wing band. So it's on the wing. Okay. And it's like a small sensor and it doesn't affect the animal behavior at all so we've been performing some preliminary uh experiment and it it was concluded that it doesn't affect the animal's behavior which is good the only drawback i would say so is that uh each animal uh, each feeder has allows only one single animal mm. per time so there are there are another uh electronic feeders that allow allow uh, more than one animal per time but they don't measure the feed intake but in order to measure feed intake you got we to be individual to, yeah animals. you got to be individual yes that's true that makes sense it, 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 and then in order to expand the technology you just have to figure out how to record each slot in the feed pan or you know somehow I would say that another interesting project that we are interested on is uh, studying social interactions between those animals because we've been noticing that some animals they tend to try to invade the uh, the feeder when 
and a specific animal it's feeding. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to we are trying to identify the the merit for the social interaction, uh, how aggressive an animal could be, and then trying to select against uh, this kind of behavior. So, I mean, uh, I would say that the possibilities are huge mm -hmm. with those kind of uh, sensor-based technology, especially radio frequency uh, generated data. And, and in terms of feeding, I think, I think all of that, like you were saying, we've, we've seen this in, in other species, um, you know, and, and have used it. Um, what other sort of sensor technology could you see uh, being applied in the broiler industry? Or maybe other poultry. It could be turkeys or layers or, you know, um, <laughs> uh -huh. where can this technology expand? I, I see in the future um, a promising uh, opportunity to use uh, image-based classification predictions, um, especially the, the animal weight, the animal walk. Uh, walkability. So those are uh, kind of sensors that people are using, people are studying. Okay. And also audio uh, generated data. Um, for instance, we, we could uh, install microphones uh, in the pens and try, uh, try to detect sneeze uh, mm. or another uh, symptom of of any kind of uh, sickness. And then we can use those uh, sensor-based technology to integrate all those kind of data to support data-driven decisions. So yeah, I would say pretty much uh, radio frequency uh, identification, image-based uh, classification or prediction, and audio-based uh, data. So. Those are, um, and we can also use accelerometers and other stuff that could measure the walkability uh, of the animal, which is pretty much related with the uh, some welfare condition, uh, which, is, as I can notice, it's it's an important thing that industry is trying to reach right now. It's how can we in, uh, improve the animal welfare um, uh, without losing uh, the weight production or uh, the feed efficiency? So those kind of um, um, sensor-based technologies, they, they will have on that task. And, it, and in terms of using it uh, for welfare parameters, um the the video or image based technology, um, how how is that utilized? I, I understand it's probably on on a research basis currently. Um, are there small cameras that are actually like set up? Um, are the birds pen like you know it, in a typical welfare assessment? You you pin up a certain number of birds, you let them out, and you walk, and it's a subjective like the person auditor is is evaluating that. So how does this technology then allow you, um, how does that capturing, um, you know, what we would 
see as a, a gate issue? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty much experimental right now. The, the main challenge is how to access each animal individually mm. because, I mean, right. if, yeah. if, we, if we raise animals in pens, it could be hundred or thousand of animals in the same place. So it's challenging to measure each animal. But what I've been, I mean, I'm not, I am not performing any kind of analysis in this nature right now, but what I've been reading about it's that people are um, recording videos um, from the animal walking or behind the animal and they are trying to measure some parameters that could indicate uh, uh, leg health or leg issues because, you know, we are selecting for weight and the weight could imply in uh, reduced uh, leg health. So they are trying to identify um, some leg health parameters based on image and based on video recording, which is great. I mean. I, I know that some uh, researchers on in the Netherlands they are doing research related to that. What I'm trying to do right now is to because since I know uh, the identification of each feeder that the animal has access, mm -hmm. I can compute the dis the walk distance mm. from feeder to feeder that each animal uh, uh, does during the day. So. I'm, I'm averaging, I'm trying to leverage the total distance that the animal expand trying to, to hit the feed during the day. And we've been correlating, uh, I correlate this kind of data with the leg health, uh, with leg health traits, and there is a favorable genetic correlation. Even though it's weak, but still there is a genetic, favorable genetic correlation. If we improve for animals that walk more, we could reduce uh, some leg issues on the long term. So, I mean, it's pretty much preliminary, but again, the results are promising. <laughs> it sounds like you could, you could generate, a, you know, sort of a, a large library of data with some of this, you know, technology. Um, how does, how is that data then, um, interpreted? Like you were saying the video, a person has to sit and watch it. Um, and then you're clearly, you know, analyzing, um, this data, um, as this technology develops, what's, what's the future in terms of like, is this going like to a cloud-based computer? Like how, how are, um, you know, how, how is it applied um, it, <clears throat> if we're going to, you know, expand it into, um, commercial size production. Yeah, that's an interesting question. That's another field of interest that we are, uh, doing some research here, especially, uh, João Doria's lab. They are investigating how to, uh, do real time, uh, cloud, cloud compute, uh, computation. Right now, uh, I mean, this is a, a big challenge because 
those kind of sensors they are generated generating uh lots tons of data like in real time so that would i would say that's we need to improve our ability to to do those those kind of trans transfer to transfer those kind of data uh online or in, in cloud computation and but um right now um and it, it's interesting because i have like 50,000 of animals in my database and right now i have like uh, 90 millions uh, of information, uh, visit data, uh, visit related data. So the challenge is huge. Yeah, so that's a lot. I would say that's the next step. I mean, we are we are trying to figure out how to use those kind of information, but in the near future, we have to um, to sort of um, understand how to transfer it in real time right. from computer to computer, computer, right? Yeah. So that's uh, an active uh, research field right now in animal breeding and genetics and another, especially in livestock precision. Working with nature and not against it, chickens fed AX3 Digest consume significantly less feed and water to produce one pound of meat. Successful flock performance is determined during the first 10 days post-placement. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible novel protein that promotes improved in-barn performance, bird health, and a drier litter. For more information, visit www.protecta.com. That, that, there's definitely some, some key uh, like hot topic uh, areas that you're doing work on, precision farming, machine learning. Um, you know, I, I think that... Um, Another area where you had talked about sort of the, the audio type of sensors, um, kicking that back into sort of the welfare um, arena, what about in terms of happy or content sounds um, like that layers would make or, um, you know, can we measure those types of things and, and give, you know, our consumer wants to know that we're, you know, everybody's happy in the environment we're raising them in. So, can these sensors be used for that type of uh, feedback as well? Yeah, that's a, a great idea. I mean, I've I've seen people working with those kind of data in pigs, like they measure the pig vocalization, and then yeah. we we can detect some patterns that indicate us if the pig is suffering stress, yeah. if the pig is relaxing. So those kind of uh, research, they do exist already in pigs. And we could do the same in, in, in poultry. No, no problem. I mean, um, the animal already, uh, the animal also has some vocalizations that we could right. uh, detect, uh, we could rec record, and then we could use some audio-based uh, algorithms to detect um, uh, specific frequencies and then try to classify yeah. uh, the animal uh, emotions. Yeah. This is this has been doing with humans with pigs. So I mean, it's a great, it's it's pretty interesting, and I'm pretty much interested on how to use auto data, auto generate data to do those kind of uh, decision. 
the real challenge is how to measure uh, which is subjective, how to measure the emotion of the animal because we use in machine learning we use basically two uh, different two different algorithms uh, the unsupervised algorithms where we we do not have to provide any label for the algorithm um, but then uh, we have another class of algorithms that we call supervised algorithms and we we have to measure the target that we are interested on so that we could uh, train in a specific algorithm so that it could make future predictions without seeing uh, any data. So it has to learn from the past data so that we could predict future data's data. And then for doing so, we have to measure in the field uh, the animal's emotion, which is, in my opinion... That's it's difficult. It's difficult, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's a great idea. It's just, you know, I think... We're, we are, our industry is, um, you know, we're, we're being asked to, to do lots of things. And I think the more we can generate data, like using this instead of subjective measurements, um, I think that's a great path for us to move into. And I'm really thankful. Our industry is thankful that we have researchers like you working on these, um, very, um, high technology subjects, um, Thank you for your time um, being on the Poultry Podcast show today. Um, if you have any questions um, for Anderson, I'm sure that you could locate him through um, the University of Wisconsin in Madison. You can find him uh, there and look, uh, read more about all of this cool technology research that their group is doing there. Um, and with that, we will end today's episode. Thanks again for your time, Anderson. Thank you very much for having me today and it was a real pleasure to meet you today, Karen. And I'd like to invite the Poetry Podcast for the invitation as well. And that's it. If you guys have any questions, I will be glad to answer that, answer those uh, by email or any kind of platform that we can use. So Excellent. See ya. All right. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you tune in next time.